1 Corinthians chapter 16, our scripture reader, not feeling well today, so I'm reading scripture for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, we're going to look at verses 10 through 18. I encourage you just to keep your Bibles open. We're going to kind of walk through this passage together this morning, and uh, we're going to notice several men who are mentioned uh, in this, uh, these final instructions and these parting uh, words in this letter to the church at Corinth from the Apostle Paul, and he, he kind of lifts up these men. He's commending these men to the church. They are leaders in the church and uh, leaders of the church, and Paul is recognizing them, and he's, he's telling us a little something about each of these men, and then he's also instructing the church how they are to relate to these men. And so... This, uh, the purpose of today's message is that we, we're nominating deacons next week. So the purpose of today's message is to prepare our hearts and to prepare our church for that process. I'm reading from the English Standard Version, and if you do not have your own personal Bible, we have Bibles in our lobby and also over in our Family Life Center. We would love for you to Pick up a copy today as our gift to you. If you're able, would you please stand in honor of the reading of this portion of Scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, beginning in verse 10. When Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you, for he is doing the work of the Lord as I am. So let no one despise him. Help him on his way in peace, that he may return to me, for I am expecting him with the brothers. Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to visit you with the other brothers, but it was not at all his will to come now. He will come when he has opportunity. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like Men. Now, what's on it? He's not telling the ladies at the church to act like men. What's happening here is that the, the word underneath that is courageous. He's saying, be courageous. And he's telling all, all the believers, be courageous. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Now, I urge you, brothers, you know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia. And that they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. Be subject to such as these. And to every fellow worker and laborer. I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus. Because they have made up for your absence. For they refreshed my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition to such people. Thank you. Looking for deacons. Let's pray together and ask the Lord to help us today. (laughs) 
Father, we first want to recognize that you are God, that you are Lord of the universe, Lord of the heavens and the earth, creator of the heavens and the earth, maker of all things. By your providence, Lord, you sustain all things and hold all things together. By your grace, we are gathered here today as the body of Christ in common grace that we have the strength and the health and the freedom to do so, in saving grace that we gather as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, which makes us a different kind of gathering than any, kind of, any, any other kind of gathering. You are Lord and you are Savior, and this is your church. This is not this community's church. It's not the church belonging to the members. It's not the church of the pastors. It's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, which happens to meet here at this location. And we desire, Lord, to honor you. We desire, Father, to be a church that exists and that displays New Testament gospel power and glory and truth. And for that to be a reality, Lord, we recognize, first of all, as individuals, we need your, your Holy Spirit at work in our lives, granting us conviction and granting us encouragement and granting us faith and granting us strength, discernment and wisdom and love. All of the great things of the gospel, Lord, we are in need of today that we might be humble yet steadfast in our faith toward you and our love toward one another and our service and in our efforts, Father, to win others to the kingdom. Lord, there are so many things in our individual lives, in our individual homes, and even in our church settings that just hinder us, Lord, and they're just obstacles and move us, Father, push us away from the things that are most important in life. And so we just ask that you would reorient us today spiritually. You would realign our hearts and our minds that you would make us, Father, the, the men and women of God that you have designed us to be. We enter into a tremendous time in the life of your church as we begin to look and pray for men to serve and to be servants. And that requires not only much of them, but it requires much of us. And so we, again, we need your help, Lord. We need your grace. Build your church today, Lord, in your likeness, in the likeness of Christ. And we ask all these things in his precious name. Amen. So next Sunday morning, we'll be looking for four men to serve as deacon for three years. And because the, the service of deacon is so important, 
the life and health of the church, I think it's important for us to, to spend a Sunday and uh, Sunday morning and be instructed from the Scripture as to how we are to approach such a task that uh, is before us. Serving as a deacon is it's a unique role in a unique setting at a unique time. By serving as a deacon being a unique role, I mean that the local church is not like any other organization. And within the local church, being a deacon is not the same as being a pastor, although both are recognized in the New Testament as spiritual leaders. God assigned the pastors to oversee the spiritual well-being of each local congregation and deacons to oversee the physical well-being of each local congregation. And in this way, God has holistically provided for both the needs of the many in each church and the needs of each individual, body and soul. But it's a unique role in the sense that we're all called to be really deacons. We're all called to serve one another, to love one another, but the deacon is set apart and officially recognized by the entire church as an official servant of the church as a whole. So while we're all serving one another, the deacon is making sure that needs as a whole and as individuals are being met. It's a, it's a unique role. It's a spiritual task. It's a spiritual calling because it's within the local church. Which brings us to the second point. It's a unique setting. The local church is entirely different than any other environment. This, this is not an office. This is not an industry. This is not a business. This is the body of Christ. This is a spiritual gathering. This is a group of spiritual people who have been spiritually made alive, who will live forever in the presence of God in glory. This is an entirely different gathering than, than any other group or organization on the planet. So it's a very unique setting. The calling of deacon is a spiritual calling to a spiritual task, serving the body of Christ. These deacons happen to be serving the body of Christ, the, the part of the body of Christ that meets at 254 Grassy Pond Road, Gaffney, South Carolina, 29341. But not only is it a unique setting in the sense of being a local church body, it's a unique setting also in that each local church has its own unique set of characteristics. Each local church has its own context. It has its own strengths and weaknesses. It, it has its own issues. It has its own vision and growth potential and growth prospects and its own community around it to reach for the Lord Jesus Christ. It has its own uh, various needs. It's composed of different members. So each local church in itself is a unique setting. And while it 
it is hoped that all local congregations are holding fast to the truths of Scripture, yet they are still very different in terms of which of those issues mostly need to be addressed. What, what are the areas in which there needs to be reinforcement and strengthen and reminding and teaching and help and, and needs and decisions to be made? And how, what's the next step for this church as opposed to what's the next step for that church? It's a unique setting. It's a unique role. It's a unique setting. And the deacon will serve in a unique time. The next three years will be vastly different than the previous three years. Ministry will look different. Things will be different. The membership will be different. The needs will be different. The occasions will be different. The decisions will be different. Two thousand twenty was different. It's still different. And those men who were nominated to be deacons and to serve in that area were not anticipating such a different setting, such a different time. But that's the time that they were called by this congregation, that is then by the, by the Spirit of God, to serve this church in that particular unique setting. So because deacons serve the church of Jesus Christ in a unique role, in a unique setting, in a unique time, we, when we are called upon next week to nominate four men to serve this congregation, it is a high and serious calling and task. We have been entrusted with the, with the obligation, the duty, the privilege of selecting the right men the ones God is raising up. The ones God has lifted before us and is showing us they are ready to serve for three years. So we should be asking the question today, what kind of men are we looking for? And that was the question that was on my, on my heart as I began to think about preparing for this sermon. What kind of men, then, are we looking for to serve? And that's what brought me to this passage where Paul lists these men. And there are characteristics about these men. And there's also ways in which Paul is saying that the church is to relate to these men because it's a mutual relationship. It's a mutual relationship. So the application, the first application for us in looking at this is to, is to understand the, the spiritual relationship between the deacon and the church. They are called to be servants of the church, but we are called to honor them and, and follow them and pray for them and to support them as they lead us in a godly fashion. So number one, who are we looking for? Number one, we're looking for men like Timothy. Men like Timothy. We see there beginning in verse 10 and uh, through verse 11, Paul is speaking of Timothy. He's speaking of Timothy visiting the church at Corinth. And the first thing that we notice about Timothy is Paul says, Timothy is doing the work of the Lord just as I am. 
In other words, Timothy is given to the gospel, given to the ministry, given to uh, outreach and evangelism and discipleship. He's doing the work of the Lord. That's exactly the kind of men we want serving our church. Men who are already doing the work of the Lord. Now that doesn't mean men who are on staff. That doesn't mean men who are being paid to be ministers with, within the church. What it simply means is that we're looking for men who are involved in the work of the Lord in their lives. That, that living for the Lord and serving the Lord is already part of their DNA as believers. They, they're already doing the work of the Lord in their lives. Whether that be involved in, in ministry within the church or whether that be that they, are simply, they simply display a servant's heart. People in the church and people outside of the church know this particular person to be a servant, to be kind, to be reaching out, to be helpful, to be those things that uh, Martin was speaking to our children about in the children's sermon. Men who are already serving the Lord. The point is, if we are going to ask men to serve us, we want to ask men who are already serving, not men whose serving would be a new idea. Deacons are laymen. We know that. They, their, their lives are filled. Most of them will have jobs that require a lot of them, obligations, responsibilities. Most of them will have families that require, and rightly so, a lot of them in time and attention and leading. And So who are the men among us who are doing the work of the Lord in those contexts. They're not separating the work of the Lord from their everyday life. But at work, they're serving the Lord. At home, they are serving the Lord. When they come to church, they are serving the Lord. It's just part of who they are. Those are the men we are looking for. And when we find those men... Paul says, concerning Timothy, he says, See that you put Timothy at ease among you. And all of our present deacons said, They don't want to say it. Amen! (laughs) See that you put Timothy at ease among you. In other words, don't make his ministry more difficult than it already is. Don't make it more difficult than ministry already is by grumbling, by complaining, by criticizing. You know, the church at Corinth, this is why Paul says this, by the way. When you read First and Second Corinthians, you know immediately the church at Corinth was a very, very troubled church. It's why Paul is writing these letters, and it's why Paul is constantly sending people like Timothy to Corinth. They've got divisions in their church. Some of them have divided over Apollos and Paul. They've got divisions in their church. They've got doctrinal issues in their church. They've got morality issues in their church. They've got sin alive and known and public sexual immorality in their church. They've, they've got some real difficult issues. 
And Timothy happens to be a very young minister. He's probably in his 20s. He's very young, and from what you can kind of read between the lines in First and Second Timothy, he's probably a very mild-mannered, timid, humble man. There's no way possible when Timothy arrives at the church and begins to provide the leadership that they desperately need with all of these issues, the decisions that desperately need to be made, the changes that desperately need to be made for this church to be healthy and vibrant and growing and reaching, there's no way possible he's going to please everyone. You can't please everyone all of the time. So Paul says, see that you put him at ease. See that you put him at ease. Why? Why? Because he's doing the work of the Lord. Now, if he was doing his own thing, that's a different story. But he's doing the work of the Lord. So see to it that you put him at ease among you. Make his ministry as smooth as possible. Follow him. Support him. Listen to him. Encourage him. Pray for him. Support him. Do not make it hard for those who are trying their best to do the work of the Lord in the church. Respect and pray for and support. Even, you're you're never going to agree with the leadership of the church, pastoral leadership, uh, deacon leadership. You're never going to agree 100% of the time with everything that's said and done. Never, ever. Will you agree 100% of the time? But make it easy. Remember, the ministry here at the church at Corinth and the ministry here at Grassy Pond is really not about the staff. It's not about the deacons. It's not about Timothy. And it's not about the individual members. It's about the gospel. The numbers that Daniel Godfrey shared here when uh, we were on vacation are still staggering to me. I don't know if, I haven't gotten over those numbers yet. I hope I don't. Of the people that are unchurched in a stone's throw of this church, 14,000? We should already be meeting over there, church. We should already have that gym packed out. 14,000? It's about the gospel. It's about the church being the church, living the pure life of the gospel, holding fast to the truths of Scripture, sharing life and the words of life with those around us. It's about reaching people, making disciples. The church is about discipleship. It's about taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. It's about doing the work of the Lord. Those are the kinds of men we're looking for. Men doing the work of the Lord. Secondly, we're looking for men like Apollos. This is an interesting situation here because evidently the church, 
at Corinth has requested, they sent word through Paul, hey, we would really like Apollos to come and help us and lead us. Now, we don't, I don't know exactly what's going on with the church. Uh, do they not have a, a, a senior teaching pastor at the moment? Uh, are they in between pastors or, or they just need, they desire his counsel for the situation that they're in? But for some reason, they want Apollos to come and, and pastor them. And remember, there's, there's been a division in this church between Paul and Apollos. And Paul has conveyed that message. So he's got nothing against Apollos. He commends the ministry of Apollos. And he has strongly urged Apollos to go there because he knows the needs are real. And the church needs his leadership. But for whatever the reason, Apollos was, he, he was not willing for some reason to to go immediately. He wasn't able to go. Something was holding him. Maybe he didn't think the church was ready since there were divisions. He didn't think they were ready for him to be present there. Maybe where he was worshiping had issues and he had felt he had to stay there until those were resolved. Maybe it was family obligations. Maybe it was his livelihood. Who knows? But there was something that was detaining him. He couldn't go at the moment. But Paul said... But he's coming. He will come when he has the opportunity. Paul often prayed, pray for God to open a door for us, make a way for us, bring us. And so Paul is is saying of Apollos, "When, when the Lord opens a way for him to come, Apollos is committed to come. In other words, here's the point, he was willing to make room in his life, in his busy evidently obligated, evidently responsibly, responsible laden life for ministry, for the good of the saints, for the welfare of the church, for the health of the body of Christ. That's the kind of men we're looking for. Who are looking to serve, who are looking to give of themselves, to lift the church up, to assist the church, to help the church. Now, there's likely not a single man in our church whose life is not already filled to capacity. We all, men and women, we have all filled our lives, and our plates are not full, they're overflowing. We've got the necessities, necessities of life, necessities of vocation, necessities of family, and all the extra corners and and all the extra spaces on our plates, all all of the free time that may be squeezed here and there are are pressed with activities and hobbies and interest and going and coming and seeing and doing, and, and we're all busy. We have busied ourselves right out of the ministry. right out of the most important things in life. But there are those among us, and we know who they are, who are willing to push aside things of lesser importance to reduce items on their plate to make room to serve the Lord and His church as soon as the Lord creates the opportunity they will be there. And that's who we're looking for. 
men who are willing to make room in their lives, men who are willing to make room in their schedules to be a blessing, to be a ministry, to be available, to serve. Men like Apollos. And then third, there's men like Stephanus. Men like Stephanus. Wow, what a, what a commendation for his life. Isn't he an incredible believer, incredible individual here? Paul says that Stephanus and his whole household were the first converts to Christianity in the region of Achaia. Isn't that amazing? They were, some translations say, they were the first fruits. In other words, they were the first ones to embrace the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in that area. And by doing so, Paul knew, Paul and his missionary companions knew, there's a harvest here. There are people here that are ready to hear the truth, ready to hear the liberating, saving gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In this place that has been cloaked in darkness and blindness and falsehood, the light is shining and people are responding. Stephanus and his whole household were the first converts in that region. When the gospel took hold of Stephanus, he and his whole family and household might even include if he had servants that lived with him, they became the fountain in that area through which the gospel would spring and, and flow and eventually a church would be planted there where there had never existed before the gospel. Never a church had been there. Never a gospel had been there. Never a believer had been there. They were the first. That still happens in places in the world today, by the way. First fruits of the gospel. eventually led to planting that first church in that region. And now Christ is known and Christ is proclaimed and lives are being transformed. And the first lesson we learn about Stephanus is that he took up the mantle of being the spiritual leader in his home. Paul says, I, I urge you, brothers, you know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia. He came to Christ and he brought his whole family with him. That's the kind of men we're looking for. Before we ask men to step up as leaders in the church, we want men who have stepped up as leaders in their home. We want men who love their wives and encourage them spiritually. We want men who shepherd their children and bring them up in the Lord. We want men who set the spiritual example and temperature for their homes. And we're not looking for perfect men. But we are looking for godly men. We want men who open the word at home and bring their families to church and involve their families in serving others and growing in the Lord. Spiritual leadership begins in the home. That's where Stephanus began his spiritual leadership. And that brings us to the second lesson about Stephanus. He loved the church. He loved the church. So his leadership at home grew into leadership at the church, and look how he led. It says that he and, and his whole household, that they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. There it is. There it is. The word deacon means servant. 
That's exactly what he's doing. I'm not saying that Stephanus was a deacon in the church. You, you hear what I'm saying? We're looking for men like that who are, have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. Devoted himself and, and, is, and is involved his whole family in, in ministry of the church and ministry to the church. He loved, in other words, he loved his brothers and sisters in Christ. He, he had devoted himself. He, his whole f- household had devoted themselves. They were present in the life of the church. They, they were loving and serving and encouraging and challenging and, and meeting needs. They, they were there to lift others up, to help others along this journey of the Christian life. I imagine this devotions would speak of they, they worked much behind the scenes with no recognition. And when, when the need was there, they, they stepped up and stepped out front. They, they were devoted. They were devoted to the church. They were devoted to the people. And Paul says when we find men who are devoted to the saints, look what he says. In verse 16, be subject to such as these. Humbly submit yourself to their leadership and their example. Follow them. Be subject to such as these and to every fellow worker and labor. In other words, everyone that's living like this and serving like this and loving like this in the church... Paul says elsewhere, be subject to one another in the fear of the Lord. That's what he's saying here. Honor them and trust them and and follow them. So he's saying about Timothy, make his ministry smooth because he's doing the work of the Lord. And he says of Stephanus, be subject to him, follow him, listen to him. Because he's devoted to you. He is devoted to your welfare in the Lord. But see, he's already demonstrated that. Paul didn't say, now, he's going to be devoted. Timothy's going to be doing the work of the Lord. They were already doing it. Therefore, Paul says, respect them. Follow them. That's the kind of men we're looking for. And when we find those men who are already serving, who are already leading, who are already spiritual leaders, let them be free to serve and lead. Make their ministry joyful as far as that can be in the times, the challenging times that we live. Fourth, men like Stephanus, same guy, Fortunatus, and Achaicus. Those, those are good names, aren't they? I practiced those all week. I'm probably still not pronouncing them right. But we'll go with Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus. They were the three-man delegation that the church of Corinth sent to Paul. The church at Corinth knew that they were in trouble. Knew they had too many issues. They needed godly leadership, godly advice. They needed to hear from the Apostle Paul. What are they supposed to do? So they sent these three men to the Apostle with the update and the report. So they trusted. 
They trusted these three men that they would accurately tell Paul exactly the spiritual temperature of the church, exactly where the church was. And they trusted them to bring Paul's word faithfully and accurately, whatever Paul would give the church, back to the church. They entrusted themselves to these men. So these men have earned their trust. They are trustworthy men. They can trust them with information. They can trust them with prayer requests. They can trust them with a conversation. They can trust them to be faithful. They've entrusted them. But there's something more here even than that they trust these men. And those are the kind of men we're looking for. Men that can be trustworthy in a, in a deacon's meeting and outside of a deacon's meeting. There's something more and, there's, and it's something that you, you don't find. You, we need to find more of because it's so wonderful when you do find it. Look what Paul says about these three men in verse 18. They, they have made up for your absence, for they refreshed my spirit. They refreshed me as well as refreshing your spirit. He says, I know they are a ministry to you, but I want you to know they were a ministry to me. They encouraged me. They lifted my spirits. They refreshed me. Now, this is interesting, isn't it? Because they are bringing a ton of bad news to Paul. They're saying, guess what? The, the first church in the region that has been planted is just about to fall apart. And they've got this issue and 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 this issue. I mean, it was just boom, 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 boom. And Paul says, I'm refreshed. <laughs> Why does he say that? Because these men, even with heartbreaking and overwhelming news and things that needed Holy Spirit power and God's intervention and truth reestablished and all of these things, these men encouraged Paul. They were the kind of men that, that their attitude and their faith and their graciousness. Even when they were conveying bad news, they, it felt like a breath of fresh air just to be in their company, just to be with them. Even in bringing bad news when they left Paul, he was encouraged, he was lifted up. Maybe because he knew that, he knew that those three men would be back at that church and, and that church needs those kinds of men. And that's the kind of men we're looking for. Men that when you're around, you're better for being around them. They lift you up spiritually. They encourage your spirit. They, they're a breath of fresh air to you spiritually. You want to do more for God when you're around them. You, you want to learn more. You want to grow more. You want to serve more. You see men like these three men and you think, man, I want to live for God like that. Man, I, I want to have faith like that. I, I want to be kind like that. I remember a man in, in my life, he, he was a Sunday school teacher for our young couples class when 
Summer and I were first married, and he was so encouraging and so positive. He had such a great Christian, loving outlook towards everybody and everyone. And he was constantly overwhelmed in his life, constantly. But when I would sit and talk with him, I would leave his presence, and I, was, I felt good. And I want to be more like that. I, I want to be that kind of man. I want to be that kind of person. And what do we do when we find him? Last words in verse 18. Paul says, give recognition to such people. Oh, they will lift you up spiritually. So give them room to lift as much as they can lift. Give recognition to such people. Now, in our context, we might say it like this. Nominate them. (laughs) Put their name down on the paper next week. Men, I'm going to give a couple of concluding thoughts to men of the congregation and then to the congregation as a whole to conclude. Men, for all of us, if our hearts are right with the Lord and our priorities are right with God, this church will be filled with men like these. These kinds of men. It should be very difficult. Next week should be very difficult for the church. Not because it's really hard to think of four men like that. But because there's so many men like that, how do I narrow it down to four? Man, God has called us to be like these men, deacon or not, to be like these men, godly Christian men who lead in the home, serve the church, lift others up, and do the work of the Lord. Let's be those kind of men Let's be those kind of men, men of God. A very practical application for our church is, I'm hoping you're already thinking, Lord, who are those men in our church? And you're wondering, who am I going to write down? And then the second question is, who are the deacons now, right? If you look on the back of your bulletin, if you're taking notes there, where the sermon notes are, or if not, that's fine. But if, if you look on the back of your bulletin, there are listed all the men who are serving as deacon now. So we won't be writing their names down. We're looking for four more. That's the practical application. Here's the spiritual application for our whole congregation. You'll notice that I skipped two verses. Did you notice that? I skipped verses 13 and 14. Because those were words from Paul to the entire church. So there's another word for the congregation. And and I want us to close with, with these admonitions. Because the work of the ministry and living for the Lord is not just given to pastors and deacons, is it? It's given to every child of God. And Paul says, be watchful, 
Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. In other words, be courageous and be strong. Church, we are living in a day that we as believers have no other option than to stand firm in the faith, be watchful, be courageous, and be strong. And verse 14, let everything you do be done in love. As the culture around us grows increasingly hostile to the Christian faith, we have more opportunity now than ever in our lifetimes to shine the truth of the gospel and to show what loving God and loving others and holding fast to the faith really looks like by doing these very things. May God help us to do so. Let's pray. You have been listening to the sermon ministry of Will Owens, pastor of Grassy Pond Baptist Church, Gaffley, South Carolina. Be sure to visit willowens.com to hear more sermons, read blogs, and learn more about the missions branch, P67 Missions. Again, thank you for listening to Will Owens.